Hello, this is Pastor John Willingham of Doralstown Presbyterian Church. As our podcast audience continues to grow, I want to thank our loyal listeners and welcome those who may have just recently found us. We know that life can quickly become busy, so this podcast offers an on-the-go opportunity to hear a Sunday sermon along with the scripture lesson read by that day's lay leader or preacher. We also encourage you to visit our website at dtownpc.org to learn more about our church and all of our diverse ministries. Thank you for tuning in. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 12, verses 1 through 8, which can be found on page 12 of your pew Bible. Let us listen now for the word of the Lord. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain to eat. When the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look at what your disciples are doing. Is it not lawful to do on the Sabbath? He said to them, Have you not read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? How he entered the house of God, and they ate the bread of the presence? which is not lawful for him or his companions to eat, but only for the priests. Or have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath, the priests in the temple break the Sabbath and yet are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. But if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. One day when I was eight years old, Jimmy Dixon and I decided to build a raft. Jimmy was my next door neighbor and my closest friend. And we we're always making big plans of things that we were going to do. But in this particular occasion, we actually followed through. One of us made a design and then we looked into our homes and we pulled together all the materials that we could find. And soon, the sound of saws and hammers could be heard in the basement of our home. The raft that was taking shape was large. I think it probably could have held six or eight people on it, much bigger than our neighborhood creek would have supported. Neither of our families had a truck and the closest body of water of any description, the Chattahoochee River, was a number of miles away. And so we had no idea how we were going to get it there, but we didn't think about those things, for we were eight. After a long day of good work, we were wrapping up. Felt like we had a few hours to go when we ran into a production problem. The next day was Sunday. Jimmy and I were a part of the same church, it was close enough by that we could typically walk there together. And as I thought about that, I thought, I can't believe we're going to have to wait. Jimmy told me that he would be coming home after Sunday school and so that he could start work again at 11. But I knew my family was staying for worship and lunch afterwards. And so the thought of I've had to wait two longers Two hours longer was more than I could bear. To, why I thought I really had such a tight production schedule is also hard to explain. The next day, though, after Sunday school, I watched as Jimmy began walking toward our neighborhood. 
and all sense left me as I shouted out, hey, Jimmy, wait up. And I ran over, and he said, don't you have to stay for church? I said, nah. My parents said it was okay. So we began walking home. We, I got there. My grandmother greeted me at the door. She had had to stay behind because one of my siblings wasn't feeling well. She asked me why I was home so early, too, and I repeated my lie. And it was about 30 minutes later, as we were working on the raft, that I suddenly realized what I had done. The pastor of our church was my father. <laughs> and how I thought he wouldn't have missed seeing me in the sanctuary was another one of those points that had escaped me. As we continued our work, I was thinking, well, maybe if there was an Easter-sized crowd that day, it wouldn't be so noticeable. But as I held my hammer on that August afternoon, figured that wasn't going to happen either. And so instead, I prepared myself for the certainty of some punishment to follow. And it happened, but that raft never saw a drop of water. I share that moment of some poor decisions as a boy primarily because of what our text before us today has to say about appropriate actions on the Sabbath. That term emerges first in the Bible in the book of Genesis when we're told that after six days of labor creating the world, that God rested. And so a few centuries afterward, God included as part of the Ten Commandments this requirement that we rest, that we observe or keep the Sabbath, and went on to say, you shall not do any work on that day. In the years that followed, faithful people came up with clear definitions of what constituted as work or not on the Sabbath. And for Jews, that time of rest started sundown on Friday and extended until Saturday when the stars appeared. For the first Christians, the Sabbath was the same, until there was a shift, choosing instead to honor the first day of the week when Jesus' tomb was found empty. And so from that moment forward, Sunday became the Christian Sabbath. With that decision, then there were rules also developed about what could and could not be done to honor the Sabbath. Even an eight-year-old I once knew understood that skipping worship without permission and then lying about it was on the forbidden list. And I suspect that some of you had other sort of family norms of what could not be done on the Sabbath, maybe going to a movie or mowing the grass. There was a time our culture made it a little bit easier as so many stores were closed on Sunday and then for years, even up to the time our family moved here, there were no youth sports that happened on a Sunday morning. That's all clearly changed. And yet, the scene that is before us today still has something to teach us. It tells of a Sabbath in the first century when Jesus' disciples are walking through a field of grain and they pick some and eat it. We're told that they are hungry. And so the Pharisees, those Jews who prided themselves 
on following the religious law beyond anything that was really expected of them, they come up to Jesus and said, why are your disciples not keeping the Sabbath? Now, part of the understanding would have been that reaping or harvesting grain was forbidden on that day, and, and yet scholars even from that era had a difference of opinion as to whether or not what the disciples had done constituted harvesting or not. Still, there are diversity of beliefs within the, the range of Judaism as to what is permitted or not on the Sabbath. So, if you were to go to modern-day Israel, there are some hotels that from Friday night until Saturday evening, the elevator in the hotel will automatically stop on every floor. Because within Orthodox Judaism, even pressing the button would have been considered work. Even these centuries later, we can hear the Pharisees' tone of superiority when they come and they complain to Jesus. And in response, he recalls how their ancestor David had once on the Sabbath eaten bread that had been set aside for the sacrifice of the people to God. And went on to speak of how in their own day, there were times when the priests could engage in acts that otherwise would have been forbidden on the Sabbath and it was no problem. He went on to say, but I tell you, there is something more here than the Sabbath or more than the temple. If you had known what this meant, he said, and then cited from the book of Hosea, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, then you would not have condemned the guiltless, Jesus said, for the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Now, in that moment, Jesus was not disputing that we need rest and that there is some blessing that God intended from the beginning of set aside that one day when we are free from the other labors that fill our schedules. And yet he was making a larger point here. But when he said there's something more, something greater here than the temple, on one level he's referring to himself. Or when he goes on at the end of that scene and, and says how the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath, he is saying that his own actions surpass what humans have come to conclude sometimes is the right or wrong thing to do. And the Pharisees, of course, missed that point. But he went on. And he said, if you had known what this meant, and then cited his father's words, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, they would have understood that there are times when human standards of what is appropriate or not have to be surpassed by what God intends. One scholar put it this way, the common ground between this Sabbath text and Christian practice is not the issue of what is legal to do on the day of rest. Instead, we ponder where in our own situation is mercy more than sacrifice. Where is God's law to be applied, not negated, in such a way that love is at the center? In other words, 
that there will be moments when in our keeping of the Sabbath that we respond in a different kind of way because of that higher priority of saving and blessing human life. Let me give you a recent example. I would suspect most of us agree that breaking and entering is a crime. And I would imagine that most of us understand, too, that we should not go into an elementary school cafeteria when the building is closed and take food without permission. And yet, when you add to those generally accepted standards of what is moral, even legal behavior, and put on top of it a massive snowstorm and cars stranded in the drifts, then those same standards can be viewed differently. That's what happened in western New York last month, right before Christmas. It was this huge storm that hit the area. The last I heard is that more than 30 people lost their life as part of it. And it was on December 23rd when the storm was raging that a 27-year-old mechanic named Jay Withy was safe at home when a friend called to tell him that he was stuck, his truck was stuck out in a snowdrift. And so Jay left his home, went out, helped his friend get free. And then as he was turning back to go home himself, he got stuck. He couldn't do anything. He walked up, I think his count was to 15 different houses seeking shelter, and no one would help. And so he went back to his truck. He'd actually found a child that somehow had gotten lost and had the child in his truck. He found an elderly woman, too, and had her join the two of them. And then over the course of that night, as the temperature dropped close to 9 degrees, he turned the engine on and off in order to help them stay warm, but by morning they were about out of gas. It was at that point that he pulled out his phone and saw that nearby was the Pine Hill Primary School. And taking someone else who was also stuck in the snow, he had some brake pads, spare pads in his car, and the two of them trudged through the snow and they went and broke a window at the school. They opened up the door. He came back and got the child and the woman that had been in his car, and then they went door or car to car with others that were also trapped in the drifts and brought them into the building, including in that group was a man named Demario Johnson and his 71-year-old mother, Addie. When they walked into the school, Addie said to his son, we're going to jail. And he said, well, maybe not. The group gathered a table and pushed against the door for the cafeteria. And it came open. They found juice and water and coffee and cereal that they could eat. The alarm went off. Jay found the panel and the code to turn it off. He also found the master key to the school. And he opened up the nurse's office and the gym so that they could get out blankets and pads so the group could sleep in the warmth of the gym. 
They ate meals in the cafeteria. They talked to one another. They, they learned their stories, where they'd gone to school, what Christmas means to them, how it was that they got stuck in the snow as well. And Addie said, it was great to be together, to be warm, to have food, to form this new family. And on Christmas morning, she said, we woke up and we all said, Merry Christmas to one another. Collectively, the group went out and dug out all of the cars, but before they left, they came back and they boarded up the broken window. They cleaned up the kitchen and the tables where they had eaten. And Jay said later, we didn't want to take advantage of the space. We didn't want to use anything more than we needed. And before he left, he offered this note that was discovered later, as it said, to whoever it may concern, I'm terribly sorry about breaking the school window and breaking into the kitchen. Got stuck at 8 p.m. Friday and slept in my truck with two strangers just trying not to die. There were seven elderly also stuck and out of fuel. I had to do it to save everyone and get them shelter, food, and a bathroom. And it was signed, Merry Christmas, Jay. In the article that told the background on those events, spokesperson for the police department said this, we watched the video surveillance and witnessed people taking care of people. There was a freezer full of food, but no one touched it. They only ate what was necessary to stay alive. When they were finally able to leave safely, you never would have known anyone was there. As news spread, Jay Withy heard words of praise literally from around the globe. And just on Friday, his favorite professional football team gave him two tickets to the Super Bowl. The events that occurred at the Pine Hill Primary School took place on the Jewish and Christian Sabbaths. And yet together they demonstrate what I think Jesus meant when he said there was something more here, something greater here. For in those steps, that community honored God and gave rest to more than 24 of God's children. A response that says to me, perhaps there's no better model for how we understand and carry out God's will as well. On this Sabbath and on the other six days too. Let us pray. We give thanks, O oh God, for the insights that your son shared long ago and for his reminder then and to us of this higher standard to which you have called us. Enable us to continue to grow in knowing what your will is for us and for this world and give us the wisdom to then act in ways that bring you glory and honor. 
For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us today. Once again, I invite you to check out dtownpc.org for information about our worship and programming for all ages.